Welcome to the Improver Network Podcast. The Improver Network mission is to make the world better by helping faith-driven leaders, entrepreneurs, and small business owners improve personally and professionally. Finding balance and maintaining focus in a world of distractions and discouragement can be challenging and frustrating, but we're here to help you discover your purpose, become more productive, and reach your true potential. Now here's your host, Justin Winstead. Hello and welcome to the Improver Network Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Winstead, and I've got a very special guest in the studio today. Uh, Lacey, what's up? How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. I love your new studio. Thanks for inviting me here to check it all out. Feeling very official today. (laughs) Yeah, well, you are one of our first guests in the new place. Uh, We've done some virtual things, and so uh, it's good to have you uh, in here with us. Well, hey, uh, I know who you are. We've kind of connected a while back, and you're in a similar kind of uh, interest stage and industry that I'm in with trying to empower people and encourage people and uh, spur them on to be the best version of themselves. But uh, just go ahead and give as little or as much of an intro as you would like to share about you know who you are and what you do and uh, what you know, what your life is about. You don't necessarily have to start with your great grandparents and how they met, you know, uh, at an event, but you know, it's a big, big Italian family. Um, well, my name is Lacey McLeod and I am the CEO and owner of talent uplifted. And, uh, that is a coaching firm, which I really love to say, because that is sort of a new disruptive, aspect to the leadership development industry, right? So you you know a lot of coaches. I am an executive and leadership coach, and many of them will tell you they have a coaching practice. And I love saying that I have a coaching firm because we're really trying uh, to bring in a lot of people, much like you, to improve the way our leaders um, approach the workforce today. Um, there is so much opportunity. I think everybody's raising their hands saying, please help me to do this. Um, a little bit about me. My background is actually in corporate strategic human resources. I always say there's two kinds of HR folks. There are the absolutely necessary policy-driven people. And then there are those of us who are what I call the rule benders. And we try to help companies uh, transform Right. And so that is what I did for 15 years. I would go in and I would help folks uh, go through some sort of a major transformation. But I had the cool job of looking at how that impacted people and how do we treat people through the process, whether we were going through some sort of a digital transformation, an organizational transformation, um, or maybe a system transformation, um, such as maybe your succession planning approach. I was always there with that lens on the people and um, it was fantastic work. And I think like so many people, I had one of those pandemic stories that said, hey, wait, um, something about what's working for our family suddenly isn't working anymore. And I chose to uh, stay home with my son at that time and just reevaluate what I really wanted to do with my career And I landed on starting a business and really leaning into coaching because I saw the power of coaching uh, in the workplace. And really how it differentiates itself is as a coach, I really believe you already 
have all you need to solve your problems. Mm -hmm. You've acquired all the knowledge. You um, have the experience. There's just something else standing in your way. And you need a really good thought partner to get through that. And I love to be your partner. Man, that's yeah. that's really wonderful there. And man, you said some good stuff in it. And but one of the things that really stuck out is that whole dealing with people going through transition. Absolutely. And you know, it strikes me that a lot of times we run into people that are like, man, well, this seems to be working, or why do I need what you have? Or it seems like why don't we just leave well enough alone? Because what I have is already working. But what they don't realize it may be working now, but change always happens. And yeah, well, a lot of what we try to do is help put uh, practices in place, right? That help people navigate through tra- through change. Yeah. And so, wh- what did you see whenever you're dealing with people in these uh, periods of transition? That's like, yeah, you can get by with X for a little while, but it doesn't work whenever there's change. And that's why instead of doing X, you should do Y because that works now, but it also works during transition. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, you know, there's this saying, what got you here won't get you there, Mm -hmm. right? Great book too. Absolutely. And so there is, um, I think there's this real scenario that people going through those changes uh, find themselves in. And I actually believe every single person wants to see themselves be successful on the other side of change. Uh, But sometimes they can't see what that looks like. And when they can't see themselves as successful, all sorts of things start to happen, right? Uh, And all kinds of different reactions, right? Everything from I'm stuck, I'm confused, to I'm angry, I'm going to rebel. Oh, lots of those. Um, And that isn't because they really don't believe in the change. It's just that they can't see themselves being successful on, on the other side. All people want to be successful on the other side. And I think if um, we stopped and thought about that for a second as leaders, like how can we really make our people successful on the other side? Um, The way we approach change would probably shift, Mm. right? Always keeping those people on the other end. I I mean, I laid off uh, hundreds, if not thousands of people in my career. Wow. Um, And I always believe that if you do that right and you take care of people even on their way out they will land in a better place and if you do things with that lens on um those decisions and those changes are actually a little bit less hard and you'll get the emails and the calls later i do still from people years ago who are in such a better place and it was because of how we treated them when they were going through that change well, wow. mm-hmm. so I know that we deal with a lot of uh, business owners, obviously, here at the Improver mm-hmm. Group. A lot of them are the ones listening to the call, and it gets really tough, especially, it, I mean, it should be tough if you just care about people to, to have to fire someone or let them go. I mean, that's a challenging thing, but I do believe that a lot of the people we deal with, um, they're small business owners, so I think it's even harder than maybe in a corporate environment many times. it's They're less inundated with all the metrics, and there's a lot more feelings involved. Mm-hmm. And then even being here in the South, there tends to be this like you know, a little bit more at times, a community aspect of like, well, I've known Joe Bob for the past, you know, 30 years. I find that a little bit less in in bigger cities or maybe in other parts of the country than the South. So what do you, what do you tell people that like, they, there's someone that they're paying for a job, but that person's not doing their job. They've tried to work with them, but yet they're emotionally connected and invested there. And they're just really struggling Mm -hmm. with, 
how do I let Susie go? Or how do I tell them they no longer have a job? They've got a family. They've got kids. Like, how do, how do you advise somebody who's really struggling with that? Sure. Well, first of all, that's a sign of a great leader. If you know your people well enough to know how a decision like that's going to impact them when they walk out your door, you're doing something right. Right. Um, and I cannot stress enough that you have to take your time and have the conversations. Um, have the conversations if you have to, even after they leave. But if you're at a point where you're like, I got to let them go and I got to let them go today. Right. That's a, and we're not talking about a, a termination due to misconduct here. Mm -hmm. We're just saying business is bad. Uh, your employee should not be surprised. Mm. Right. So if, if you, that is something I always advise leaders is um, we don't don't hold that in. Right. If things are going wrong, if things are tough, if you're unsure, um, when it's time to make a change, your employee should not be shocked. Right. That is so key when you're a leader is how you talk about your business to your people. Because you don't want the conversation to start the day you have to give them the bad news, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, if you are in that situation, that's a little bit different um, because the ride is just starting and you're having a lot of hard conversations and you have people in a state of surprise, shock, anger. Um, but when you start that conversation earlier, you'd be surprised how many people are understanding. You can also do a lot of things for your folks when they leave. Um, there's a lot of services. Career coaching is one of them, right? Hey, can I can I help you get the services, connect you with people who are looking for jobs? Uh, you can do a lot of folks. So if you're a small business owner and you're like, I really care about Susie and I don't really care about Justin and I know their families, um, just remember there, there's probably something you can do mm -hmm. um, to help them through that transition. Um, but at the end of the day, I really believe if you treat them with respect and honesty and you ask them how they're doing and you ask them, what can I do for you? I can't keep your job, but what can I do for you? You'd be surprised how that process goes more smoothly and how those people uh, that you care about will stay in your life in some sort of a positive way. They'll be taken care of. Yeah, I totally uh, relate to that. And mm -hmm. I think the surprise one is one of the biggest ones on there because mm -hmm. You know, I talk with business owners sometimes and they, it, it's almost like a, an unhealthy marriage where mm -hmm. you get a spouse that's harboring resentment and unforgiveness okay. against like the other spouse, mm -hmm. but they won't talk with them about it. And then all of a sudden one day they're like, okay, I want a divorce. And the other person's like, what, where yeah. did that come from? Yeah. I thought everything was like, okay, you know, and they're just, they're going through life and it just seems like a curveball and that's so unfair, mm -hmm. you know, to do that. But yeah. uh, sometimes that does happen you know, with, with people and their teams, they, uh, the, the boss just doesn't want to have the tough conversations. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden one day he just walks in like, okay, you know what? You're fired. You're gone. And that yeah. person's like, wait, where did that yeah. come from? So it's, that's tough. One of those hard truths in life. You cannot replace communication. Yeah. You have to do it. Even when the news is hard, uh, you know, I have a young son and we were just telling him, um, sometimes you have to deliver bad news or say something that's really hard but you want it to come from somebody who cares about you mm. and um, establishing those relationships. I would say those small business owners, people are like, I, but I care about them so much. You're the best person to deliver that news. Please don't outsource it to somebody else. Mm. <laughs> you know, the hard conversation coming from you does make a difference than when it comes from somebody they either don't know 
um, or it comes uh, in writing. Take the time to have the hard conversation. So let's flip the script a little bit because, of course, you know, we love our our business owners, our leaders and yeah. managers and, and that kind of deal. But we're kind of approaching it from that angle. What about those that are on the flip side of this thing where they're on the receiving end of the conversation? <laughs> uh, since you talk with people about okay. uh, their uh, personalities and their purpose and where they sh- should go next. And what are some of the things that you usually ask or, or say to those people who are like, man, I just got, got let go of my job after 15 years. I don't know where to go now. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing I find is uh, the hardest for folks, especially if they've had a job for 15 years, right? Uh, it's been a long time since they've had to tell their story mm-hmm. uh, in a way to get a job. They just haven't been looking for work in a long time. And that's a whole skill set, right? Mm-hmm. How do I find a job? How do I write a resume in today's world? How do I interview? Those are just skills that we don't necessarily use every single day, right? So when they're in that situation, um, I, I as a coach, what I ask them is to tell me their story, mm. Right. So let's take the pressure off the situation for a second. Let's just talk about you as a human and tell me your story. Um, As a coach, I always say I'm a professional listener. I listen between the words. And uh, just like you can read between the lines, I listen between the words. And I want to I my job is to find what's amazing about you, to remind you of all those fantastic moments, to pick up on the skills that you have that come uh, the what I want to say, the competencies you have, even your strengths and share those back with you. Uh, Because when you've just been laid off or if you're looking for work, it just feels like bad news after bad news after bad news. And uh, it can be really refreshing to hear somebody remind you of all the good things you have. It's just sort of helping them be grateful, right? Just a little bit of gratitude that they, they need some help to see. So I always start there and I, I say things back to them. Then we get to problem solving, and that is so individualized, um, depending on what they want to do. Then then we can get into, well, how are you going to go about doing that? Um, depending on where you are at in your career, depends on how you go about looking for a job. I cannot emphasize uh, two things enough. One is, don't be afraid to get a professional resume writer. They're amazing people. And a lot of times they help you with your online profiles too, right? It is worth the money um, because they will they will do a much better job in today's technologically driven recruiting world than you will. The, the days of resume writing have changed. So professional resume writers are a worthy investment. Because um, I've been always told that resumes don't matter. Like nobody really looks at them or they don't really care. So the computer reads them when you attach your application. Mm. Right. Uh, and I think they do read them. Um, they don't read all of them. Not mm-hmm. like they used to. In fact, they re- they've reformatted. A good resume writer will reformat uh, your resume to put the important stuff uh, at the top and on the left. Mm. Because in America, we read from left to right, top to right. bottom. And so when somebody glances at your resume versus reading it, they want to see what's most important at the top, maybe your credentials along the left. Mm. Uh, so they they find that balance. Um, 
because people do look at them. But you're pointing to the second most important thing, which is your network and who you know, especially if you're mid-career, you're most likely going to get the best connections and recommendations for future jobs from the people you know than necessarily just scrolling through LinkedIn or Indeed looking at job postings. I mean, Mm. it's only going to get you so far. Uh, And so your relationships with other people really matter and how you talk about what you're looking for in a new job. Um, those are critical pieces to the puzzle as you try to find something new. And so I help people guide that. What's your story? What are you saying? Who are you talking to? Mm-hmm. Um, do you get that resume written by someone uh, who's really good at this? Uh, because you can have a conversation with them and then they do all the work and just send it back to you. It's a really beautiful process. You know, that's, that's interesting. I've never made mm-hmm. the connection between like a story and resume Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't know how many people are doing this, but to like, is your resume really telling the story that you want to tell? Or are you just right. throwing information out there? Or because, you know, we've, of course, looked at story brand from a business standpoint. Yeah. But like, what about doing that same kind of approach? I know if I yeah. got a resume and I looked on it and it was a problem that they highlighted at the beginning that they're able to solve. Yeah. And then they were able to show me how their story has led them to be a problem solver for the problem I'm dealing with the chances of them getting yeah. a job have significantly <laughs> increased. So, so I really uh, like, like that piece on it. I think that's even a way I could do mm-hmm. better at reading resumes when we, uh, when we get those on there. So, well, that yeah. is really neat. So uh, what about, uh, I, I know you love personality stuff I and do. a few mm-hmm. moments ago you mentioned, um, you know, competency. And then you mm-hmm. kind of talked about one of the things you love to do for people. I'm wondering, have you done the six types of working genius personality test yet i have not you've okay we've talked about this we, before, okay but i, I couldn't have if not, you had done it no i have not done that one i've done strikes... many but not that one all right well i want to hear about some of the ones you have done but first i want to tell you that like you strike me with your comment about you want to figure out how did you say you like to help discover what's amazing about the person and that's part of your coaching yeah, I want to pigeonhole you, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of your results didn't come back to be enablement because enablement geniuses are just so great at coming alongside people and figuring out what's amazing about their vision and how mm-hmm. can I assist you in yeah. that vision? Whereas it's really funny. That's actually my weakest area. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm a little bit more on the strategic side of wonder and discernment and coming up with ideas and solutions and it's more high level. And so uh, I don't know. I'm a bit, probably getting in trouble with being a little bit gender, uh, uh, you know, uh, stereotype here. But it's like, man, you know, here I am, this guy trying to fix the big problem. But you're talking about how you really care about the person and what's amazing about them. <laughs> it just seems to fit the the, the roles there, it's, and that's it's, amazing. It's so true because I believe you can fix your own problems. Yeah, right. I really do. Uh, you don't really need me to tell you how to do it. You do need me to help you think through it. Right. And that requires listening and that requires asking some great questions. Um, So it's so funny. I've done a number of uh, personality assessments. I've done the Myers-Briggs. Right. I am a a ENTJ for anybody out there. We're not we're rare. We're three percent of the population, even rarer for women. Uh, So that is me. And and I always say in Strengths Finder, uh, it's funny you mention it. uh, Four of my top five strengths are in the strategic category. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm very much a strategic learner, futuristic, uh, self-assured and woo. And if I can, can we vote to change the name of woo to something <laughs> else? It's a really great strength, but it really sounds kind of fluffy. Um, do you have a word you'd like to use? Uh, for yeah. woo? Yeah. I don't. I've never. Just something different than woo. Something, <laughs> something that's not like woo, because I'm not really that 
that kind of person, but I love to connect with people, right? I am the person who makes friends with their Uber driver, uh, wherever I go. So, um, that's funny. You mm -hmm. would like to change that name. I've never thought about it, but now I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that is a, that is, woo. Yeah. I don't know if there's something about it. So I don't know if you know this part of our story, but, uh, Enneagram, you familiar with the Enneagram since we're telling about personality. Yes. So, I'm a one on Enneagram. Do you know what yours is? Seven. You're a seven. Oh, man. See, you know, the, I go to sevens whenever I'm healthy and doing well. You know, I, I go actually have fun instead of trying to make everything better. Yeah. And so uh, so the ones historically on the Enneagram were known as uh, perfectionists. That's uh-huh. the way a lot of people have thought. And there was a few people that was reformer on it. Well, it's really funny. As a one, I never liked that. I didn't I didn't like that name. And apparently I was the only one because they ended up changing the ones on the Enneagram and giving them a new name because uh, they said this really wasn't uh, the right one. Do you know what the ones are now? Uh, no. What are they called? Now? Yeah. So now they, they actually call the ones improvers. Uh, that's where that's where this came from. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that was where the light bulb moment hit for me. I was like, yes, that's why I was put on this planet. It wasn't to be a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. I don't care about everything being exactly right, but I want things to reach their potential and to, uh, you know, to be the best that they yeah. can. And I just want to make it better. It's not about reforming it to make you change. It's just more of like, if there's a tweak you can make yeah. to be a better version of who you are, that's what, so that's part of where Improver yeah. came from since we're talking about personalities, but yeah. hey. They changed ours. Maybe they'll change Woo. You, you may will. have your new business name in the future on the new personality yeah, name yeah, for Woo. Yeah, Clif- <laughs> Clifton Strings. Let's uh, vote to change that. Change woo. But, uh, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, well, yeah. good deal. So what uh, do you have a favorite uh, out of those that like as far as uh, like your go to that you use more than others on it? Or are you just kind of like to use multiple for personality? And, yeah, for personalities. Yeah. So I, I do love Strengths Finder. Uh, I think the reason I love it the most uh, is, is I think it's the most accessible, it's mm-hmm. most affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get a super detailed uh, report. I just did the Enneagram officially for the first time last year. And, you know, you get like a 20 page detailed report on your personality. And so uh, I love them, but not everybody loves them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I do use the Strengths Finder uh, first when it comes to a personality assessment. Um, I'm actually a little bit more in, in my business at Talent Uplifted. We use an attitudinal assessment mm. okay so this is different than a personality assessment personality assessment is really just helping you understand who you are better mm-hmm. so that you can actually help others understand who you are better right so yeah. we, we get some common language um i use an assessment called the energy leadership index it's an attitudinal assessment that really talks about what are the lenses you're wearing when you look out at the world right what mm-hmm. attitude are you wearing when things are going well and what attitude are you wearing when things are stressful, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So uh, when we're stressed, I think there's two really common ones, but some people get really sort of angry and frustrated about their stress and other people get really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Well, this assessment is going to tell you what's your go-to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to tell you how you use others as well. But um, it's also going to tell you, hey, when things are going well, how do you see the world? Do you see it uh, through a lens of tolerance? Mm-hmm. Do you see it through a lens of service? Um, maybe you see it through a lens of synergy, right? And so it lets people kind of get a really good assessment like, okay, 
internally, what am I, what can I control yeah. with me? What am I looking at? And and maybe I could start to change how I view things. A lot of mindset work, reframing, you're nodding, right? These are really, sure. really typical coaching tools. Um, trying, trying to look at a situation and say, uh, maybe how is this a gift? Right. Right. Um, and and personalities, you know, I think a lot of people would agree your personality is who you are as a person. And that's okay. some of that's your natural wiring and it is you, mm-hmm. but attitudes we maybe associate with you, but you can, you know, as I grew up, mm-hmm. uh, I can remember my parents say, do you need an attitude adjustment? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. we would adjust my attitude, didn't necessarily adjust my personality. Yeah. Oh, and so yeah. attitudes can be changed, right? So Absolutely. that could be one thing that's helpful with coaching is, is let me highlight an area that you can actually uh, change yes. uh, versus that. In fact, one of my favorite quotes, we talked about John Acuff earlier because uh, yeah. his book soundtrack is out in the, uh, in the lobby. We're getting ready to do that with our book club, but he's got a quote that I find to be fantastic. And he says, uh, choose your attitude every day until mm-hmm. it eventually chooses you right back. Right. And it's like, so, so you could use that one with your deal. Just choose it every day. It'll eventually choose you back and so yeah. you can shift that. So I think that's, that's really neat to draw the distinction between your natural yeah. personality and maybe your, your default attitude right now, which can be changed. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. I think uh, as humans, especially as Americans, we love freedom and we love choices. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and a lot of times when folks come into coaching, they don't feel like they have a lot of choices in front of them. Right. Um, they've either been told there's one way to do it, or maybe they're feeling stuck and they're like, I just, I don't know what to do next. Right. And, uh, I, I love being able to give them choices again, mm. right? Because it, when we look at your attitude, I'm going to just say, there's no judgment. There's no right or wrong. Um, sometimes we, we need all of those attitudes at different times, how long we live in those attitudes can mm. make a difference. Um, but they all serve a purpose. And so when you get to choose which way you react mm-hmm. to something, there is freedom in that there's empowerment in that, mm-hmm. uh, there's ownership in that. And those, those are all really important, um, qualities that we as adults, and I would argue even our children, mm-hmm. uh, really love to have. Right. I mean, just think of your toddler who you say, do you want this or that? And they'll just pick one of the two. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they feel like they had a choice. Yeah. Right. right? Um, so all of those things really make a difference. And as adults, we sometimes forget we need those things, too. Mm-hmm. And the more choices, uh, the more we feel like we have choice, not the more choices. Mm-hmm. Sometimes too many choices is a bad <laughs> thing. Uh, but the more we feel like we have a choice in front of us, uh the easier it is for us to go about being productive and achieve uh, the goals that we have and uh, really be the person that we can completely be, right? Reach our potential. And that puts us in touch with our real humanity because, Mm -hmm. you know, part of what I think separates us from, you know, the animal kingdom (laughs) example is the fact that they're doing just what is completely natural and what is Mm -hmm. instinct. And they really, uh, there's a there's an input and their a- output happens That's automatically. Right. It's just a mm-hmm. response. A lot of them aren't sitting around debating, you know, uh, you know, should I go hunt here today or should I hunt there today? It's just right. like, oh, I smell something. I'm going this way. And they mm-hmm. have to respond. But we actually have agency. We have free will and we yeah. have the ability to 
to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And if we put people in positions where they get to make choices, have authority, have that agency, I think we're actually helping them be more human rather than treating them like, you know, the mule out in the, you know, on the farm, like you just got to go plow ahead. And it's like, nobody wants to feel like that where Mm -hmm. they're being forced. That's right. We were discussing personality things. I think some people feel like these personality things take away their choices and put them in a Mm -hmm. box. Yes. Uh, But I know what I feel is, is that personality tests don't put you in a box. They're telling you a box that you're already in and really helping you to have awareness so you can see how to get out, right? How do you feel about that? Uh, You know, so a personality test, it just feels judgmental. Let's Mm -hmm. just put it out there because it's even when they're right on, you're sometimes a little bit, a good personality test, by the way, will show you the pros and cons of your personality, right? (laughs) Um, And sometimes you get to that list of what's not great about your personality, you suddenly feel judged Mm -hmm. like who you don't know me report (laughs) yeah right you get frustrated especially when a person delivers it to you man i've seen that as a mistake where leaders feel like they should deliver the uh, results of an assessment to their team members and i don't recommend that because uh you don't have that unbiased relationship with Mm -hmm. people right because it can i've had that done to me where i had a a director once uh, decided that she needed to tell me all about me <laughs> by reading my assessment versus listening to me. Right. Yeah. So assessments are used for discovery. Mm-hmm. That is their purpose in this world. They mm-hmm. are used for discovery, not judgment. But so many times we feel like they're judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we can get curious and use them as a tool for discovery, that is when uh, they feel better. And if you're someone who's naturally curious and a natural learner, then we love assessments. That's why I've done so many different ones. Yeah. They all tell me the same thing. They're very consistent about my personality. And I love them because I find them to be uh, just another way to sort of dig into who I am. and Just create self-awareness, right? Which is the most important thing, really, if you want to start on a pattern of growth. You got to learn self-awareness. And and learning the same thing from different angles brings you different ah ahas, right? And so there's nothing wrong with taking different assessments because you'll get something new from it. But not everybody feels that way. So I always try to say, well, let's look at that assessment as a tool for discovery. Did you, is there anything that you didn't know about yourself when you read it? Is there anything that didn't resonate? It's wrong, right? It's Mm -hmm. usually never actually wrong. You just (laughs) feel like it's wrong and it leads to a great conversation and more self-discovery um but i think that is why we start with an attitudinal assessment because again we tell you from the get-go you can change it yeah you can lean into the stuff you like we can try to work on the stuff you don't like Uh, it's really cool when it is paired with a personality assessment for discovery but it's that's just not for everybody yeah i Mm -hmm. did one are you familiar with the five voices do you yeah, know anything yeah. about that one? So I did the five voices recently and mine came back as a pioneer connector were my top two uh, voices. And I thought it was mm-hmm. kind of funny because, you know, our main branch of our company here is improver network. Uh-huh. I thought pioneer connector improver yeah. network. network, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like, man, we oh, couldn't have been any more spot on. It's a uh-huh. it was That's another way to look at personality assessments. Yeah. It can be very validating. Yes. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Also, the thing about personality assessments is just remember, you're not the only person in the world with mm-hmm. with those personality traits. And so sometimes, yeah. especially when you do it in a group, uh, you don't feel alone, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we all have personality traits that some, you're like, oh, am I the only one who thinks yeah. this way? Am I the only one who behaves this way? Um, I am a, an extrovert to the... I literally tip the scale when it comes to the Myers-Briggs. You cannot have a higher extrovert score. (laughs) Uh, And sometimes that can feel very odd, right? Like, oh, no one else is like me. No one needs to talk as much as me. No one, (laughs) you know, I'm the kind of person who goes to a party and then I want to leave the party and go hang out with somebody else and tell them about the party, Mm. right? Uh, And that is unusual. Most most people would leave the party and be done for the night, but I want to go talk about the party um, yeah. <laughs> with another person. I want to extrovert some more. Uh, but, you know, again, those those are the things about your personality assessments that um, can be really, really cool. And mm-hmm. also they're an assessment. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, that really helps people understand these assessments and kind of, and that's only a little part of what we do, yeah. Yeah. you know, as coaches. But what do you think is another thing that people get confused about when it comes to uh, working with coaches, uh, you know, and look, sometimes people, when they hear coaches, they think of athletes, we're talking about business coaches, improvement uh, coaches, uh, career uh, development, whatever, anything, growth, life coaches. But what do you think that some people, um, you you find that they are confused about what you and I actually do versus what we actually do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's just be honest. Lots of people love to use the word coach these days. And you have coaches for everything. You have health coaches. You have financial coaches. You have business coaches. You have life coaches. You have leadership coaches, mm-hmm. right? So the coach word is used really heavily today. Um, so you have to really ask, what does that coach do? Um, some, air quote, coaches are actually consultants. They're giving you a framework to mm-hmm. follow, Uh that is not what coaching is. Some coaches are uh, facilitators, teachers, instructors. Mm-hmm. They're teaching you things, um, and so you want to look for what you're, what you need. A really good coach that also teaches is going to blend the whole. I'm going to give you some new knowledge, but then I'm going to help you figure out how you're going to actually implement it. Mm-hmm. What are the real challenges to going and doing something with this knowledge? Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing I would say is, uh, again, as a coach, you do most of the talking. Mm-hmm. I I do most of the question asking, mm-hmm. listening. I hold space. That's one of my favorite things to do for clients. I hold space and time for you. And probably the number one thing I hear from every single client I have is, oh, they've got all the noise coming at them, mm-hmm. Right. They've got noise. They don't have time to do this. They don't have time to do that. And I create space and time for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been known to say, well, I'll hear a client say, okay, I need to do that. And I'll say, want to do it right now? I'll wait. Right? This is Mm -hmm. free time for you. Um, You need to schedule something? Stop and schedule it. I'm going to let you breathe, but I'm going to remove all that noise that comes at you. You're going to that phone's going to stop dinging. The emails are going to stop coming in for just that, those moments that you're with mm. me. And I give you time to think. Yeah. And I think that is one of the best gifts I get to give people is uh, that that almost white space, not true white space, but that space to 
think and solve their problems and remove all the noise mm-hmm. uh, with just somebody they trust listening to them, asking some good thought for provoking questions. Uh, and then at the very end, uh, being their accountability partner. Yeah, yeah. Man, I really love that uh, a lot. I don't know if uh, what I'm about to say is true. <laughs> I don't so I don't normally say things like that. But the, the point is so good. I think it's worth saying. I was told once that the uh, word where we get our word educate from comes from the Greek word educos. And I should research this to validate it. But uh-huh. I feel like we need a, to pull up Google a, right a, now. A, right. But educos. And what I was told is, is that educos from their understanding of education, it was not, you're a blank slate, let me write on it. It was more, you've already got all the answers, we're here to draw out of it. And I really think what you just said is so important because we're not supposed to approach this as a, you're a blank slate, let us try to give you all the answers that we have that you don't. It's more of, you've got every, and you said this at the beginning of the podcast, like, you've got everything you need, and we just want to help you draw it out. And so... I love that. To me, that it does put kind of a bow and it ties all this in. It, it really, the whole conversation about personality tests and how we mm-hmm. deal with, you know, uh, if we're having to let people go, we're being let go, we're having to have tough conversations at work. All of this is about, hey, you were intended to be somebody and we just want to help you discover who that is and pull that person out, the one yeah. you were made to be. And that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah. So yeah. what other last thoughts do you have as we get ready to wrap up? Last encouragement to people? Where do you want to yeah. leave them with? Well, so I think, if I could share anything with here with the Improver Network is um, it it is absolutely a competitive advantage if you invest in yourself. It's a competitive advantage for you and your business, whatever business you're in, because every time you elevate yourself, you are going to impact all the people around you, there's a ripple effect to that investment. And there's not very many investments in the world that do that, Mm -hmm. right? So every time you improve, every time you get a little bit better, so will all the people around you, the people at work, people at home, people you run into at the coffee shop. um, and, And you are then improving everybody else just a little bit. So, So remember, sometimes we feel guilty investing in ourselves Investing in yourself is actually a way to invest in others. Um, And I hope that encourages you to sort of reach out and say, you know, who's on my team? Who's helping me be a better leader? Because you will then be helping everyone else. Awesome. Well, we are so glad whether or not you're not a one on the Enneagram, but you are an improver because you are trying to make the world a better place and improve your environment. And you're also working on improving yourself. And that's Mm -hmm. really the two things that improvers do. So, and you even did it in real time here because I did pull it up. So actually that word uh, is Latin is where the origin is. And, you know, and it does mean a little bit of that uh, based on the spin, but also to to bring up, to rear, but one of them was to raise up, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. to raise up what's already there. And so, yeah, that's where it is. And that's, what we want to do like hey you're already who you are meant to be you just haven't gotten fully there yet and so we want to come along and help you get there faster and uh we want you to be to live the life that you were meant to live and we want all of you to make the world a better place and you know what Mm -hmm. if you are a better person uh working a better job or running a better business and you're living a better life you are going to make the world better we need more people Mm -hmm. who are light and salt and uh, who are enjoying the peace and joy uh, that they were intended to do. So, hey, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, We'll put some contact info in the show notes for how to get in touch with Lacey if you want to reach out to her. Otherwise, we will see you on the next podcast. And remember to stay good and keep getting better. 
Thank you for listening to this production of the Improver Network podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch future episodes. For more information about the Improver Network, visit us online at improver.network. That's www.improver.network. And connect with us on social. Until next time, keep getting better.